0: That's Blue nile.com.
1: Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli.
2: I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, coming to you from New York City. It is draw day for the US Open 2023, or Matt Roberts, should I say, day on which 256 names were deposited on the internet.
0: Because All at the same time, because
1: who knows if there was a draw is there there's there's no actual evidence that a draw took place there is just names on the internet refreshing which We have studied.
2: yep, I was uh, sitting in the same room that we're in now to record this podcast in my in my sweats. <laughs>
1: refreshing the which, which isn't the how internet. you want to enjoy a draw. You no, like I want to put your... on my
2: best shirt.
1: He saves his best outfit. You didn't even bring a shirt to this tournament because
2: there's no draw. Absolutely. I want to dress up. I want there to be a show and spectacle. And I want for us all to be excited about the draw, which tells us so much about what the next two weeks will look like. And instead, we were just refreshing an internet page. And then suddenly there's no time to like process the draw as it comes out one name by one name you know that's that's the beauty of a draw the the tension and the drama and the build-up and savoring every little matchup that comes out suddenly it's just 256 names in front of you and it's it's very difficult to to process and and take it all in just it was a diminished experience. It was a
1: tense time at Tennis Podcast Towers, G- Tennis Podcast Towers, New York edition. It's the first time we've officially had a mm. Tennis Podcast Towers, New York edition. Yeah. We're completing the, um, the career slam of those, <laughs> I think, aren't we? I'm
0: quite proud. Um,
1: at the time of the not draw, David Law was on a plane. You're no longer on a plane. David, my um, laptop uh, hasn't adjusted to US time. It's still on UK time. Uh, and it tells me that the time that your body clock probably still thinks it is, is 3.18am.
0: Oh, that's why I feel like this. <laughs>
1: ha-
2: having been up since 4.30am.
0: Yeah. It's 20... Three hours Hmm. and some minutes, isn't it? And uh, (laughs) it kind of feels like that. (laughs) Uh, No, I feel all right, considering, I have to say. Um, All right,
1: considering. Yeah. (laughs) The David Law mantra. (laughs) 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 Uh, You're actually sort of the buzziest of the three of us, possibly. Check me out. (laughs) Check him out, folks. Check us out. We are in New York City, we have a draw to discuss. We have media day to go to tomorrow. We have tennis to watch. There's going to be a bumper crop of qualifying matches on tomorrow because a lot were rained off today because David Law brought Solihull with him oh. to the United States. Matt and I have been here for two days soaking up the sun. It's been delightful.
0: I've been watching on blummin' Instagram how nice <laughs> it's been. It's It's been horrific today since my arrival um and uh hopefully better to come but yeah you the the plus side is always you get the bumper crop of matches the next day after they've all been rained off although it is
1: scheduled to rain tomorrow
0: as well but <laughs> saturday's gonna be
1: saturday on. is gonna be good folks matt and i will be en route to a different state um
0: i'll keep you posted <laughs> let us know
1: yeah i'd rather not do that drive in the rain. Actually, mm. anyway. Uh, more on more on our Saturday plans in tomorrow's show. We, of course, uh, have two US Open preview shows coming for you, this one, and we'll have a show for you tomorrow after Media Day when we'll have spoken to all the players, grilled them, got their feelings about the US Open balls. Always a hot topic of conversation in <laughs> Media Day in New York. I wonder York. if any
0: of them have got a draw view, generally, on their favourite types of draw it will be like I don't look at the draw.
1: <laughs> yeah, they will have tiresome answers to that. That's that's not a road we want to go down. No, let's let's focus on our own views of the draw. And in fact, we have we have more than the draw to digest because we just moments before recording it dropped that we now know who will play Monday and Tuesday, how the draw will be divided across the days. And on Monday, we'll have the top half of the women's draw and the bottom half of the men's, which means we'll kick off on Monday with Iga Swiatek, Novak Djokovic, Coco Goff, Francis Tiafo. I would expect those maybe to be the Arthur Ashe matches. There'll also be Elena Rabakina, Holger Runa, Kasper Rude, Stefanos Tsitsipas, they'll all play on Monday. And then Tuesday will be the bottom half of the women's draw and the top half of the men's. So that'll be Carlos Alcaraz, Irina Sabalenka, Yannick Sinner, Daniel Medvedev, and Jessica Begula all in action on Tuesday. So you can probably deduce from the names that I have read out there that Sviontek, Goff, Rabakina have fallen in the same half of the draw, and in the other half of the women's draw, Sabalenka, Pagula, other significant names in the bottom half of the women's draw, Matt?
2: Uh, on Shabur uh, and von Vondrosheva,
1: two very significant names. <laughs> what are we going to do with <laughs> What you? are we going to do with von Vondrosheva? It's funny how... just how massive a change there's been in the space of less than a week to how I feel about Coco Goth coming out in Igor Shontek's quarter.
2: Hmm. Yeah, like mm. literally 10 days ago, I would have seen that. And this is the fourth slam in a row where Igor Shontek and Coco Gough have been in the same quarter. Every single slam this year, it has happened. And at the previous three, I've been like, oh, that's a, I've been I've been annoyed. Like I don't I didn't mm. want to see that match up uh, because it was so one sided, and now genuine excitement and I want to see that match because of what Coco Goff displayed in in Cincinnati and how she was able to win that match. I really want to see it, uh, and I think Sviomtek has got a great path to be able to get to that match in the quarterfinal. Most likely, Yelena Ostapenko would be her biggest obstacle, but who knows what Ostapenko is going to show up. <laughs> I feel pretty confident that Svantec will get to that quarterfinal. Goff's got a sp- maybe slightly harder route with a very exciting potential round two with Mira and Draver. <sighs> uh, who...
0: I, I remember us watching the, yeah. that first set. The la- I remember going up to... The Suzanne longlen mm. steps when you're you have to wait for the for the change in order to come in and get the best seats in tennis, then <laughs> <laughs> it went on forever because they were they were just duking out a first set that Andrea ended up winning didn 't she on the tie break, but Coco Goff said afterwards, even though I lost the set, I felt like I won it mm. Mm. Yeah.
1: and that was the most childish we 've ever seen the Actual child, Mirandreeva B. She suddenly transformed into a, a, a sullen teenager yeah. in the latter stages of that match, mm. didn't she?
2: Yeah, but I mean, as you know, Goff obviously managed to win that match, and I think she's playing a lot better tennis now, a few months on. So Goff would be, I think, a considerable favourite. So you know, let's 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 get excited about the potential yeah. first fiancée Goff in, I am. in the quarterfinal.
1: We um, we've watched quite a lot of tennis coverage in the last 48 hours David since we've been out here we've been watching tennis in the land and tennis in Winston-Salem and we have been watching US Open qualifying ESPN have been covering that and today the ESPN studio interviewed Coco Golf while she was practicing she was on the practice court behind them they were in their sort of second Studio set, that sort of loungy, sort of salon type set or salon. Don't know why I said it like that. Um, <laughs> overlooking the uh, the practice courts, just in the the lead. you've got Arthur Ashe Stadium looming um, in the distance, and there she was on the practice court with Brad Gilbert stalking around, and she's got an AirPod in, and she's just having a chit chat, and she could not have seemed happier with life it was it's a good idea it right? brilliant.
0: it's a good idea especially in these few days when still a few days out from the tournament and you can get some proper insight. i remember wimbledon did some stuff like that with andy murray and tim henman didn't they and mm. we've seen it increasingly in golf actually during rounds where a player will hit a shot and then we walk in down the fairway having a chat with the commentators which i really enjoy that that insight personally but and I I didn't see this this coverage but Coco Goff's the sort of player you want absolutely
1: it was really good it's exactly the kind of access you want to see and yeah as you say she ain't going to be doing that the morning before a match or probably at all once the tournament starts maybe Mm. in the earlier stages but yeah this is the time to to do that I actually also think it's quite significant for Coco Goff that she's not in Jessica Pegula's half. I think that's a really tough matchup for her, and continues to be. I mean, Jessica Pegula is the only player she's lost to mm. since her transformation post Wimbledon, and that was quite a, an anomalous poor performance from Coco Goff. It was very windy; it was very challenging conditions, but no doubt she was diminished. Mm. that day by the weirdness and awkwardness of her relationship with jessica Pagula. i don't think jessica bagula loved it either but she coped with it the better of the
2: two yeah yeah there's such a clear sort of edge that Koho Goff needs to have like when she plays Igor fiontech given the lopsided head-to-head she's she's so focused on what it is she has to do and just there's there's sort of extraneous stuff when she plays Jessica Bagula and and it was a bit uncomfortable. Uh I mean there are other names in the Coco Golf section. I don't like that draw
0: for her. Right very I mean, much. Daniel
2: Just, Collins yeah. is in
0: there. That's that third round. Yeah. Uh,
2: that's that's very, potentially very it, this tricky. This is Goff's draw we're talking this about This is draw. Yeah. Uh There's also potentially Petra Kvitova in the fourth round. Again, kind of a bit like Ostapenko. You don't really know which Petra sort Kvitova of. could show up, but it could be a great one.
0: She could come out and just pop the balloon, couldn't she? She's, You know, if she just had a good day.
2: And she's got a qualifier in the first round, Coco Goff, so we don't know who that will be. But, you know, you know it will be someone who's won three matches. And... Could
1: be Diana Stremska.
2: Shall we talk about that? Go on then. <laughs> so,
0: agrotastic?
2: Yes. She faced and beat Eugenie Bouchard today in three sets. And of course, agrotastic because Eugenie Bouchard tweeted about Diana Yastremska earlier in the year when she beat her in Madrid.
0: A subsequently deleted tweet. A
2: deleted tweet followed and up by shoot. an apology
1: issued a definitely run by several lawyers apology. Yes. yes.
2: And there was no handshake at the end of this match. <laughs> there was a death stare from Diana Yastrzemska.
0: And, yeah, that was she, that was kind of the event of qualifying. She today. really meant that celebration at yep. the end, didn't she?
1: Yep. I'm just remembering, by the way, that Coco Goff lost to Yelena Ostapenko in Australia this year. I mean, I do...
2: Yeah, although Ostapenko is in the Shviontek.
1: Right, so she... It, right.
2: So, I mean, she to could... face have...
1: Ostapenko, it would mean not facing Shviontek. Yeah.
0: Sure. But, it, but I do think the Ostapenko and Kvitova parallel as an opponent is quite... Mm. Is one that really is the, is the one I'd be concerned about from a Coco Gauff perspective. Suddenly this player can just turn it on and all your dreams are up in smoke because it's best of three sets and you don't have time that's the... mm. mm.
1: yeah Sean taken Rabatkina in the same half I don't I I don't know what to do with Rabatkinah she is not right at all but I distinctly remember quite a recent Grand Slam where she was absolutely not right going in and I didn't include her in my predictions at all and okay she didn't go on to win the thing and she did come up short against Ons Jabeur, but she she was a threat. Yeah. She was a factor. She's such a good player that even depleted, she can be a factor.
0: Yeah, because she she can win matches without expending too much when she's really on. But I do think that there's there's some there are problems there both physically and this serve that that we've been looking at, that looks a little bit different, um, whether it's related or not, I don't know, but which is leaking double faults, all over the place, and and, and which is getting broken, an uncharacteristic amount of times, if she hasn't sorted that out, she's, she's not going to win this title, I don't think, and uh, so... I, I'm not convinced by Rebecca at this tournament. And usually I am so convinced by her.
1: Yeah, it's a shame because I'm really fascinated by the Svantec-Rebacchina match-up. The fact that even at Svantec's best, she has such a problem with Elena Rebecca. I find that fascinating because w- one of the very best things about tennis is match-ups. Yeah that it's not just about how good you are and how well you play. It's about how your game matches up against someone down the other end. And world number ones just having, or, you know, or amazing players having bogey players is fascinating to me. And I just want to see that match up with them both at their peaks more and more. And although they're in the same half, it still somehow feels quite unlikely that that will end up happening. Although, I did start the segment by saying I wouldn't make the same mistake that I made at Wimbledon but they would it would be a, a semi-final meeting wouldn't it so
2: yeah and the Rebekkeners quarter let's call it that so the the bottom quarter of the top half is pretty open I think because the other the other sort of big seed in there is Maria Sakkari who
1: this looks like the section I don't trust w- it, they I can't remember which bit of tennis coverage, which channel, which tournament we were watching earlier, but they popped up. They were running through the draw and they popped up this section and we looked through it and went, that could end up being chaos. That's, mm. that's the bit where some random names could end up in in plum positions. I,
2: again, there are, there are names which jump out. Uh, I think the main one here is probably Karolina Mukova. Obviously, you know, had a great run recently, has the French Open experience, really has Maria Sakharie's number, and, and, and they mm. could could meet in uh, the fourth round. So I, I'd be looking to her, but there's just, you know, there's always a question mark with Mukova over, over her fitness. We saw her clutching her ab in Cincinnati and playing with strapping on. There's Victoria Azarenka in this section.
1: Hers was the name that jumped out of... At me when when we looked at it, mm. because form doesn't seem to mean anything with Sabalen- uh, with the uh, Azarenka. The fact that she's not really done anything in the lead up events doesn't really make me discount her in any way. I still feel like she can just pop up mm. and make herself relevant.
2: Yeah, I agree. And and the other the other name I would I would point to here would probably be Beatrice that I Admire. Who is tough? But you know she David has David knows. She, <laughs> she has Sloane Stevens in the first round. What do you do with that? <laughs> Great
0: first round. Draw, yeah, that, isn't it? Sloane Stevens,
1: who um, she played twice today in the land, otherwise known as Cleveland. Um, and I, I just saw an Instagram post from her after her first match of the day. She beat Mirandrava, and it was the caption was building momentum, and unfortunately she had to play again later on that day, and that, that post did not age, age brilliantly well. Um, but yeah, still, still, it's still the U.S. Open. It's still Arthur Ashe Stadium, most likely, and she's still a former champion. Who, who on earth knows? Um, any other names or first-round matchups, Matt, from the top half of the women's draw that you would like to draw attention to?
2: Well, I do think I do think Rabatkin's first round is interesting. Marta Kostyuk, again, a player who's always seems to get tough draws. I, I don't know whether mm. I don't know whether that's just I don't know whether that is actually backed up but in my mind she always gets tough draws um and if if Rebecca Kiner isn't isn't quite right that one would would certainly stand out to me as as a great um great first round there's also Jen Jennifer Jenny Brady in that in that top half who is just someone I'm interested in at the moment she was she was so good in in her few first few matches of her comeback like she feels she feels like she's a dark horse, maybe, in this in this draw. Like I don't think she's ready to, to go on and win it. Not absolutely not saying that. But given the tennis she displayed just a week or so ago, like she feels primed that she could take someone out and go on a bit of a run. So I'll be I'll be looking looking to her. Caroline Wozniaki as well is also very close to Jennifer Brady in this draw.
1: Who does Wozniacki have round one? She
2: has a qualifier, mm. uh, okay. but then potentially Petra Kvitova in in the second round. So the, uh, lots and lots of of intrigue in this in this top half.
1: Shall we deal with the? Should we go by day? Should we deal with the bottom half of the men's draw before moving on to? Wow, is that is that two row? <laughs>
0: That's the draw person. <laughs>
1: Do I have permission?
2: Yes, you have permission. It's, it's it wouldn't be the worst draw-related thing that's happened today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Novak Djokovic, second seed, come out in that the, the will not come out. I mean, was destined for the very bottom of the draw as the second seed always is. And it's a good draw, isn't it, Matt? It is a good draw.
2: It is a pretty much dream draw. I mean, I say that, we we were talking about this earlier and and David made the very good point, I think, that we thought the same at at Wimbledon and maybe there was some kind of um some kind of opinion that he was perhaps a little bit undercooked, Djokovic, going into that final with Carlos Alcaraz. And maybe if he'd been tested a little bit more along the way, who knows, that that might have ended up helping him. But off the back of that gruelling Cincinnati final, I think Djokovic will be very pleased with his his draw here in terms of an ability to pretty much coast, I think, through several rounds. I mean, he's got Alexandra Muller, in, in the first round to face either Zapata Miraias or Ethan Quinn in the second round. Laszlo Gera is his first potential seed. Um, look, I just think this is an absolute dream draw for Novak Djokovic in the, in the early stages and even in the latter stages because Yannick Sinner and particularly Daniil Medvedev came out in the other mm. side of the draw. I was looking at Medvedev as the biggest threat to Djokovic before, other than Alcaraz in this tournament and he's he's now in a situation where he can only play one of Alcaraz and Medvedev in this tournament and that would be in the final. I think Holger Runa is in his half and we know that he has a head-to-head lead over Novak Djokovic. He's displayed an ability to adapt to that match-up in a way that others haven't but I don't know. Holger Rune would need to reach the semi-finals to to meet Nomad Djokovic, and he has lost every match he's played since Wimbledon, and doesn't seem fit. And is it still the wrist that's troubling him? Uh, no, it was the back the other yeah. day. It was mm. the back the other day. So Taylor Fritz or Stefanos Tsitsipas, a potential quarter final opponents, look they've they've got pedigree, but I just I just think this is. Pretty perfect for Novak Djokovic. Do, do you
0: know there are eight qualifiers in the quarter of the draw in <laughs> which uh, <laughs> Djokovic sits? I mean, he's not due to, to necessarily meet any of them, not in the first two rounds. There are a couple of qualifiers in that third round section, but it's just they're all... Mm shoved together in that bottom half of the draw. I mean, the most interesting draw that I'm looking at is Stefanos Tsitsipas mm. against Milos Raonic.
2: Stefanos Tsitsipas, because who has never won a set against he Milos He does Raonic.
1: not like that. I know this is not Milos Raonic of 2016, but Tsitsipas is not happy about that draw, for sure.
2: I think it's a really tough draw for Tsitsipas. As you said, Raonic first, never won a set against him big server, can, can pick on some of the Sitsapas weaknesses on return. Then he's potentially got Popper in, who's been playing great mm. tennis this summer. And then, if he gets through that, he's potentially got a Wimbledon rematch with Christopher Eubanks. Oh, yes, please. In, in the third round. Now, I think Eubanks will be doing pretty well on, on current form to get to that third round, but...
0: What you're saying, you don't think he can beat Benjamin Bonsi and Contant Elise... Who are both potential second round opponents? I mean, like s-
2: six months ago, we we really would have thought maybe not for Christopher Eubanks. Like it's it's tough to six, tough six to months ago no. It's tough to Three adjust your ago, expectations. Yes. It's, it's all, it, it hasn't done like, that
0: well recently, you right?
2: Know. Has he? has he fundamentally changed as a tennis player or was he just in really good form for six months and flourishing on the grass, which is a A middling American having a good
1: run, not during a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows?
0: Possible.
2: And I think we're all expecting him to come alive under the New York lights. And I hope so. But I'd love to see Sitsa Eubanks again. That was a great match at Wimbledon.
0: I do think Filipuses comes into his own in a, a match against mm. Raonic because he, in practice he can replicate what Raonic will do to a T, mm. I think, with his own game. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how creaky the limbs are these days for Mark. Raonic's he's...
2: limbs are pretty creaky. <laughs> 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 I
0: want to see Raonic against <laughs> <Philipsis>. <laughs> Uh
1: Well, Filipicis is playing, a, uh, I, I saw on Instagram earlier, uh, he's due to play a Champions Tour event in Scotland. Oh. Oh, how Next nice. month, yeah. So, possibly less creaky limbs than, than Milos <laughs> Raonic. I think, yeah, I think he's going to need for Lepusa, so I think that's really tough for Sitsipas. To
2: Especially given he has no record of doing well in New York, really, anyway.
1: Six love, five love to, to Daniel Galan here last year. That is Never not forget. leaving
0: your mind, visit, that one. <laughs> That no. was extraordinary. No, it's it's it was...
1: definitely not leaving Stefanos Tsitsipas's mind. I,
0: ge- I genuinely looked at the screen thinking there was a glitch. Mm. It was malfunctioning.
2: Yeah. And I remember looking at it for the first time at 6 Love, 5 Love. Because Serena was playing. Because I was, was watching playing. Serena. It wasn't, I didn't even see it be 3 Love. <laughs> I or see like, it even be 6 Love. I was like going it was 6 up, Love, 5 Love.
0: I was going up <laughs> closer to the screen to just sit Am I... Is that, is that a zero? <laughs> That's not... That is,
1: Casper oh. mm. uh, Ruud is in the bottom half of the draw finalist here last year. What's his, what's his, run or potential run like?
2: A little bit tricky, I would say. I mean, he, again, he opens against a qualifier, so we don't know who that will be yet. But then in in the second round, JJ Wolf or Zhigen Zhang, who is a good player.
1: He is a good player, I rate him.
2: Uh and then potentially Sebastian Corda in the third round who has just pulled out of Winston Salem
1: with a fake injury. Officially
2: yeah. through injury. Quite It's possi- fine, I
1: support it. I think it should you shouldn't have to lie.
2: Yeah. I mean he did fall, didn't he, in his match against Richard Gasquet. Uh was that towards the end of that match? He mm. he, he got through it. Like, maybe that's a convenient thing to then be able to leave. If you off. Richard
1: Gasquet, who had much points in that match, you're pissed off, aren't you?
0: Anyway. Yeah, because I don't think Richard Gasquet is pulling out to preserve no. his chances mm. in the US Open. Mm-hmm. No.
2: But, look, if if Corder is doing that, then,
0: you know, sometimes, trying to beat
2: Kasparud in round three feels a bit yeah. like the sort of moment that he, he kind of needs
0: again. Because it hasn't been happening for him, really, has it? I mean, I, sometimes they just have a bit of a twinge that they're they panic about or they become ultra conservative over um, when it's the week before which is always the problem with entering these things the mm. week before I mean, it's mm. and these tournaments can sometimes really get stuffed mm. and I'm not I don't know look Seb Korda may be really badly injured for all I know but we know that happens I mean yeah. and it's it is just a bummer really for those tournaments a lot of the time mm. it's yeah. really
1: difficult it, it, it's a Rude is actually really tricky because although I think I think generally speaking in our minds we think of him as Mr Consistent or certainly did last year actually the the grand slam finals that he's reached he didn't have great results in the lead mm. up events to those Right. And
2: he and he hadn't done well at the previous slam. Like he's got this round yeah. two final, round two final, round two like he has got a pattern. Yeah. Um and if he follows the pattern, he'll be reaching the final again <laughs> of this one. Um and yeah, like he's he's a bit of a juxtaposition, isn't he? Because you know, the joke about him has been Mr T- Mr Claycourt two fifty. And yes, he has been very good at Claycourt two fifties, but he's also been very good at slams you know he's reached three slam finals which is you know more than pretty much any of his sort of next gen contemporaries can can say um so yeah i agree he is he is a tricky one to be able to make a prediction for mm. but i think i think he's earned he's earned respect really that that we should be considering him Certainly as a potential semi final opponent for Novak Djokovic, I wouldn't I wouldn't predict him or think he would get past Djokovic, but sure he could he could get past Corda and Tiafo and uh, Runa who are all in, in his quarter.
1: What's Tiafo's draw like? Is is the party bus gonna be back in town?
2: I think it is, you know. I think it's I think it's pretty good up until that potential fourth round with with Caspar Rood. you do before... get a
1: party bus for a round three win Adrian... he, had, he had to beat Nadal last year <laughs> he had to inflict Nadal's first Grand Slam defeat of the year to <laughs> to hail the party boss
0: Adrian Manorino's lurking oh
1: god <laughs>
0: <laughs> as a what's that third, third round. round yeah and then winner of that to face either Rood or Corder most likely yeah
1: where, how far do we think Tiafo's going? Put you on the spot about Tiafo because we dis- we've, dis- we've discussed his sort of slightly disappointing summer hardcourt swing but we always stop ourselves short of, of, of being disappointed because we say we'll judge him by the US Open. So what do we think?
2: I've, I've just i've just said things that i truly believe about casper and yet i'm probably going to end up putting francis tiafo <laughs> through that section
1: <laughs> second round defeat for casper rude is then in matt's predictions
0: everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night that's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too.
1: Let's move on to the Tuesday matches. These will be Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday, and you get where I'm going with this. So it'll be the bottom half of the women's draw and the top half of the men's. So in terms of the women's, this is where we see Sabalenka and Pagula and Vondrosheva. Mm. How's Vondrosheva's draw? (sighs) And, what does, a and does it matter?
0: And does it matter? Yeah. Is the second part of it? I that. mean honestly I think I she think, starts with a qualifier. I think
2: pretty good, really. Um She's in a she's in a little section of the draw where there's where there's a potential Leila Fernandez, Bianca Andrescu, round two.
1: I can't believe Andrescu's gonna play. I don't I don't want her to right. play
2: Given the fact that she's got a stress fracture in her you back. You
1: can't cheat healing that.
2: Yeah. Um, but I mean just
0: seeing it on paper you know it just pops out of the drawer doesn't it Andrescu Fernandez no imagine if somebody told you like 18 months ago that could be a match
1: I've seen Bianca Andrescu limp off court or be wheeled off court too many times yeah already
2: what I think I find most interesting about that that top court of that bottom half is the fact that we we could be on for a Wimbledon quarterfinal repeat, which would be Jessica Pagula against Marketa Vondrošva,
1: A match which a lot of people think Pagula ought to have won.
2: Right, and I would love to see that match again because I think, you know, kind of Coco Goff aside, Jessica Pagula has been the in-form player. Uh, i think I think she's got a potentially tricky first round match against camilla Georgie because georgie can can blow so hot and cold, but Pagula has played Georgie a lot and generally generally handled her pretty successfully um, and I just trust Pagula to make the progress that she always seems to make and reach her seeding and or certainly reach reach that quarter final. And if it's Marquette von there, you've then got this whole element of can Pagula get past the quarterfinal stage for the first time? Oh, and she's doing it against the player who she had the best chance mm. of, of beating in in her most recent quarterfinal. So there'd be there'd be a lot going on in in that potential quarterfinal.
1: It's her least successful slam, von This one. Now I know, obviously that is meaningless because she'd only ever won one Wimbledon main draw match mm. prior to this year and winning the title. But I do just wonder whether she is one of those characters that New York and the US Open just doesn't suit. And that doesn't counter out because the same was the case of Iga Shiontek last year. But Iga Shiontek's the best tennis player in the world. I, I just wonder, well... We'll get to ask her tomorrow, perhaps.
0: I also wonder whether the the surface, the balls, suit her. Uh, I was watching the other day uh, when when she played Shvantec, I think, and it was a a tiebreak first set, and there was just a moment or two where I saw Vondrosova go for the drop shot, and the ball just doesn't die in the same way that it does on a clay or a grass court.
1: That was at Cincinnati, wasn't Mm. it? I, I think think that might have been court as well as ball I don't know the, uh, apparently some people are saying the court slash ball slash interaction thereof is playing a bit differently in New York this year to last year which I hope isn't true because I really feel like the conditions here the past few years have been perfect like it's just ideal quick hard courts really yeah
0: suggestion is it's a bit, a bit slower. slower
1: um I hope that's not true but we'll see well I say we'll see but actually I think I'm a terrible judge of court speed who would that favour in a women's
0: draw uh, a slower court and that's something you know maybe that that might favour Von and obviously Mm. Svantec I suppose being a a French Open champion three times
1: what do we think about Sabalenka
2: so many things (laughs) (laughs)
0: starting with
2: starting with the fact that again with Sabalenka it all just feels like it hinges on the semi-final
1: who would her scheduled semi-final opponent be Pagula
2: Pagula or Vondrosheva I mean she would have to get through on Jabur potentially in, in the quarter-finals um I th- I think she's come out of this draw pretty well Arena Sabalenka on the whole I would say. Uh Donna Vekic is is lurking there as a potential fourth round opponent. I don't see don't really see too many threats for Sabalenka before that. Uh but Vekic or Kasatkina potentially in in the fourth round. Sofia Kenin is is in is in there as well. Um but Sabalenka has has shown herself to be really consistent in slams now this year. So I I do trust her to get through those matches, but really inconsistent in, in semifinals from you know, from game to game, let alone semifinal to semifinals. So I just don't trust her in semifinals. There's there's too much baggage there now for me to confidently predict mm. that, that she can make this final. And yet, I think she probably should, given how good she can be and, and, and given this draw.
1: Speaking of baggage,
2: how's <laughs> on Jabir's <Shabu's> draw? <laughs> she starts against Camilla Osorio, which could be fun. mm She's then potentially got Madison Brengel, which could be fun.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I I really kind of want to see that, and I want to, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Anse Jaber against um, Tatiana Maria again, like we saw at mm. Wimbledon that time when she pulled her Maria out into the court and oh, got yeah. the crowd to give her a round of applause. Mm.
2: I I think Jaber's got a pretty good draw. I think I think Jabir Sabalenka called Sabalenka final feels. It was very on from this draw. Junction Wen is is a potential fourth round from Shabeni.
1: Mm. I'm I'm developing doubts about Zheng Wen.
2: The forehand was alarmingly Bad. it was
1: alarming the erratic. the forehand and the serve is very effective, but boy, there's an awful lot that can go wrong there. It, it's not a um, a compact technique.
2: And she was talking in her in her press conference during Cincinnati about the fact that she's that she developed a, kind of like a nervous tick on the serve and she said it's there in some matches and not there in some matches it, it didn't sound that's a problem is not yeah, good
1: that's not good okay um, top of the men's draw on Tuesday Carlos Alcaraz
2: yeah I mean the interesting thing about both draws is that the number one seed landed in the same quarter as the number six seed and that was... That was the... You know, those were the matches and the match-ups that I was most interested in. In in the women's draw, it was Svontek and Goff and in the men's draw, it was Alcaraz and Sinner. And, Mm. you know, Sinner is the sixth seed. He is in the same quarter as Carlos Alcaraz and that, to me, is absolutely... Fascinating, because that's the most exciting rivalry in men's tennis other than Alcaraz and Djokovic right now, I would say. The fact that they've played some all-time classics, that every time they meet, there just seems to be... Some, something extraordinary seems to happen um, in terms of an incredible rally or just general electricity and excitement and energy. And Sinner has shown himself to be able to beat Alcaraz in a way that other players have not. Um I think Alcraz has got a very good draw in terms of getting to that quarter final with Sinner. Hold on a minute. I think Sinners is harder. Dan Evans, round three. Artifice, round four. I mean I'm just, I I don't I'm, I'm not just, gonna back down from anything I just said. I'm just
0: putting Artifice in the fourth round there. <laughs> got Talon Greeks four in the first round.
1: Don't think he's winning that.
0: Mm. No, probably a bit early for him.
1: <laughs> Are we going to get Al Graz Sinner? And if we do, will Sinner get as close as he did 12 months ago?
2: I mean, Sinner S- S- has got as potential obstacles Stan Wawrinka, yeah. who mm. has been playing well recently, Andy Murray, Alexander Zverev. Like, they're they're all lurking in his section before... Carlos Alcaraz. So there are tests there.
0: I think we will get that match. And I think it will be close, but it won't be as close as last time.
1: I think I agree with David.
0: Mm. Andy Murray, Corintan Mute. Is <laughs> yes,
1: that you know, right? There was a moment <laughs> yeah. where I thought he was
2: playing Constantin Lestien. <laughs> because Matt's
1: they're... eyes bugged out of his head. Because
2: their their names are next to each other in the oh. drawer. It goes, what Constantin Lestienne, Andy Murray, Corintan Mute. <laughs>
1: it's still fun though. It's Murray great. Mute. Yeah. I can't wait to hear David Law commentary on
0: that. Mm. Winner to face Dimitrov.
1: Well, I mean if Dimitrov wins his
0: opener. Uh, he's looking quite good. <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: Daniel Medvedev, folks.
2: Yeah. Um That was that was the other big element of the men's draw. The yeah, there's he, a couple of things he here. There's
1: there. He's in Alcaraz's quarter, and I think...
2: No, he's in Alcaraz's half. Half,
1: OK. For me, I think that's curtains for him in terms of winning the tournament. I really do think that match-up issue is critical for him. I think it's, I think it's a bit of a catastrophe, actually, at the moment, it, the extent to which his game just does not work against Carlos Alcaraz.
0: And, and the thing is, by the time, if you get to the semis, you know Alcaraz is dialed don't you? Yeah. Right?
1: I mean, he that is, let's say Medvedev makes it to the semis and he's waiting for the winner of Alcaraz Sinner. That is feast or famine for yep. him, because he's got this dream uh, matchup with Yannick Sinner can do what no wrong that? against him. What, what,
0: um, what a little triangle of players! They yeah, are.
1: it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Um, but it's very much famine for him against Carlos Alcaraz. Um, but question marks over Medvedev even reaching that semi?
2: Yeah, I think so. Based on well, his his current form, uh, his Grand record this year hasn't been fantastic, and I. Got some tricky little matches, I would say i w- never would have thought I would be saying that the winner of the sensation off between Max Purcell and Christopher O'Connell, but if it's Max Purcell like he's been playing really well recently that that would be a slightly tricky round too, I would say
0: yeah I just think- I just think Medvedev might quite like his game
2: Max Purcell coming at him yeah. he can I agree but J just one to circle.
0: Oh, Dimenour's in that.
2: Right. Dimanor, potential round four who just beat him the other week yeah. mm, in Canada. That's not and great. then Hubert Herkatch, a potential quarter final. Herkatch has got a winning record against Medvedev.
1: Medvedev does not like playing Hubert Herkatch.
2: Yeah. I think there are real obstacles for for Medvedev before we even think about a semifinal. Mm,
1: very interested in his his media day tomorrow just to try and get a sense of, of where he's at mentally
2: yeah Rublev's got a terrible draw <laughs> he's got Djokovic it's, round one well, it, it's, it's the first time this year he's avoided being in Djokovic's quarter
1: okay I mean that's a big win but, Ru- then,
2: he's, but then he's been given Roussevori in the first round who he just lost to <laughs> the other week and if he gets through that he's, he might have Gaël Monfils who's rolling back the years well, gets
1: yeah. through... Who's, who's Gamal Feast got round one
2: uh, qualifier?
1: Could we have a little Gamal Feast run? That'd be good. Yeah,
2: well, Andre Rublev doesn't doesn't <laughs> want that, but
0: neither does Matt Roberts because that would mean Nicholas Jarry's under threat. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> I I showed great restraint not to put Nicholas Jarry in the tricky tricky draw for Daniel Medvedev. I, section. Thought, <laughs> I thought Matt was
0: going to say in the mix.
1: <laughs> oh. Matt and I had a little spat earlier about who was better out of Francisco Sorundolo and Nicholas Jarry, and you were going to check <laughs> check the rankings. I'm sure... I think Sorundolo's ranked higher.
0: Sorundolo's better. Right. But so Sorundolo's better. Oh,
2: so we always take the rankings, do we? As, as fact?
0: Yes, that's what really? numbers are like. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: in this instance... Okay.
0: I think Nicholas Jarry is
2: better than Francisco Sardula.
0: What's their head-to-head? <laughs> Who could say?
1: <laughs> Google. <laughs> talk, talk amongst yourselves, folks. <laughs> oh. Matt was annoyed that, uh, well, not well, maybe he was annoyed um, that Francisco Sardula made the <laughs> World Labor Cup team, but Nicholas Jarry did not get the call up. They played... Didn't he play
0: in it, though, in its inaugural year? Yeah, he was the alternate. <laughs> he was the
2: alternate.
0: <laughs> I'd say that's some early Nicholas it, Jarry,
2: it isn't was, it? I think it was Jarry and Jeremy Shardy were the alternates.
1: They've only ever played once. It was... A challenger in
2: Concepcion in Chile. Oh. Hmm. Home home turf for Nicholas Jarry. Home
1: turf for Nicholas Jarry and he still didn't win. <laughs>
2: <laughs> when? When was that?
1: 2021.
2: Oh, he's a different player now.
0: How lopsided?
1: <laughs> a 7-5 in the third. Oh, tight. I
0: mean, I do think
2: they're very similar.
0: <laughs> Have they been seen in the same room? <laughs>
1: Uh, it doesn't say what their respective rankings are at the moment, but I'd say Surundalo's had a more Surindulo's... meteoric rise.
2: Yeah. jerry has well, been c- kicking
1: around for ages.
2: We had a ban, Jerry.
1: Right. I mean, that's on him.
2: Yeah. Um, I would say Surundalo is slightly higher ranked, but they're both in the 20s, I reckon.
1: Surundalo's 20, Jerry's 24. There we go. Case closed. Okay. I
2: I need to bookmark this conversation. Any and more? Whoever's ranked higher is better. That was what you just said.
1: In this, to settle this debate.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because it suits yeah. us. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm just enjoying how weird you get about Nicholas Jarry. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I can't deny it, too. Also, he let me down. I don't know why I'm defending him so much.
1: Any he more... pushed
2: Alcaraz at Wimbledon. <laughs> it was a good match. Move on. He Matt. prepared him for what came. He hardened him for Djokovic.
1: <laughs> right. Any more draw-related submissions? <laughs> if if to Jerry the goes
2: on a run, I'm going to buy some of that stuff that he that he wears on his nose to help his breathing.
0: I'm delirious on jet lag. You've got no excuse. <laughs> No one
1: knows about what Nicholas Jarry's wearing on his nose, man. That's not a reference People who people listen to understand. this podcast
2: will will get that.
0: I had no idea he got anything. Oh. And <laughs> I'm on the podcast.
1: <laughs> We're trying to have a broad appeal here, guys. <laughs> um, any other draw related submissions? I'm
2: scared to speak now.
1: Uh, we have a couple of other bits of tennis news that have dropped in the last twenty-four, forty-eight hours. The impending retirement of John Isner. This is to be his last tournament. Hmm. Any thoughts about that? Just. I mean, that you don't have to have any.
2: I mean, the thing is with John Isner, like he is probably one of the most influential. Players, in a way, in the last, I don't know, ten fifteen years, in terms of the actual sort of material effect that it feels like he's had on the sport. Like, mm. would we would we have deciding set tie breaks in all Grand Slams without John Isner? Like, I think the sport no. was going that way, yeah. and eventually they would have got there. But I do think some of his extreme matches, you know, seventy sixty eight against Mahu and the very long semi-final uh, against uh, Kevin Anderson at Wimbledon. I think they they sort of sped that process up. Mm. I think tennis looks the way it does now for better or worse, that, that is probably, you know, people will will feel differently about it partly because of of John Isner and he's been he's also been the number one player in america for a long time Mm. and that that, that's a big deal you know Mm. he didn't reach the heights that former american number ones have reached but he was he was always there and he was he was probably better than he got credit for i suppose i think people would always just think of his serve but he was was more than that big
0: names didn't fancy playing him Mm. you know i mean he he didn't he win a set against Nadal at the French Open one time? He mm, was two sets, two sets up or yeah,
2: two sets to one yeah. And
0: I think, I think he beat Andy Roddick here at the U.S. Open the year that Roddick had just made the final of Wimbledon that incredible final against Roger Federer. I remember commentating on Isner knocking out Roddick, and uh, yeah, if he'd get on a roll with that serve, it was just you know he couldn't break, but mm. <laughs> you couldn't break him. It was mm. a nightmare.
2: Most most aces in tennis history.
1: So good luck to John Isner in retirement. Don't go to the pickleball dark side, John. (laughs) Yeah. Is my it's my advice. He he will though, won't he? the future (laughs) of the Cincinnati tournament is in doubt. Coco Goff in her on court speech. Complimented the tournament on a facilities upgrade that the event had received over the past 12 months but she also alluded to some uncertainty over its future in terms of its location um rumors have been swirling about this for a long time david
0: yeah it was um it was it really obviously ended up becoming something talked about a lot over the last uh, week because of the event being held there. But, yeah, the billionaire Ben Navarro, who's the father to the tennis pro Emma Navarro, um, and he also owns the Charleston event, the WTA event, he, he, he bought the rights to the Western and Southern Open from the USTA last year. Um, and he's got a company called BMAC Capital, uh, which announced plans to build a tennis and pickleball complex on 50 acres in Charlotte, in North Carolina, and so inevitably, immediately, people are thinking, well, if you bought that, mm. isn't is that designed to go and move the tournament over there? Um, and. Obviously, it's going to extend to two weeks, a 96 draw in a couple of years' time, the Cincinnati tournament. Um, But, you know, there's no knowing at this point whether it's going to move or not. They're certainly not denying that, that that its future is up in the air a little bit. I mean, and it's been in... Ohio for more than 100 years, this tournament. The, um, Forbes reported last month that nothing is official at the moment, but a spokesperson for BMAC Capital said that uh, the, the tournament has an incredible history. We're making major investments in it to enhance the experience for players and fans. Um, but it says we're excited to host the tournament in Greater Cincinnati for years to come. And expect to make a decision on the long-term home of the tournament later this summer. I mean, the people I've... I did ask a couple of people last week um, who I suspected may know rather more than I do, and the feeling was amongst them that it is going to move eventually. You know, it might take a little while. There's stuff to work out. And I know Cincinnati's trying to kind of create a a rival... uh, Proposal for expansion of its own site, but it's not easy because you know there's a golf course, I think, on one side, and you know there's not that far you can go into
1: fantastic theme park on uh, the other side,
0: exactly. Um, but the feeling is that it probably will end up going to Charlotte's.
1: Charlotte, North Carolina, yeah, north, south, north, yeah. Um, interesting, we will watch this space as we will with all things Saudi Arabia. Um, now, we're not going to go into all of this in depth on this podcast because, for a number of reasons, David is probably about to keel over. Um, I have yawned about 12 <laughs> times in two minutes. We want to do the topic justice. We've touched on it lots before, but there's going to be lots more to say. I suspect there'll be more to say after Media Day tomorrow on this. Um, and certainly there will be developments over the course of the tournament. It was confirmed today that the next-gen finals will be going to Jeddah in Saudi Arabia from November 8th to December 2nd, so that's obviously a change of location and a pushback in the calendar. Uh, there had It was reported by John Wertheim that there had originally been plans for this to be a combined men's and women's event, but the WTA backed out of that because uh, the tournament were unprepared to make the necessary commitments regarding equal prize money and I think other aspects of equality. So it's just the men's next-gen finals as it has been previously, and it is going to be staged in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. John Wertheim uh, also... Reporting today that Saudi Arabia is going to be bidding or has been or has already bid to host the WTA finals this year. There, he reports that there is also a bid from Prague, Um, and he reports that there is a possible other bid backed in part by Todd Bowley co-owner of the L.A. Dodgers baseball team and, of course, Chelsea Football Club in the UK. Um, And that would be a bid from Washington, D.C. Um, But again, this is all just reporting at this stage. There's going to be a board vote next week. And we will know, I think, soon after that, where the WTA finals will be headed for at the end of this year but it does sound a distinct possibility that they will be headed for Jeddah um, the last bit of reporting from John Werth, I'm on this today, was a text he received from Martina Navratilova, yours obviously had authorization to, to make this public, the text read I can tell you 100% if I was still playing I would not be going to Saudi Arabia for the championships um Expect there to be more on this tomorrow after Media Day. And that is when we will be back with our next podcast. Uh, We will have that podcast for you as usual. We will also have a live show for you on Sunday, live from New York on YouTube. It won't also be available as a podcast. It will just be a live show the exact timing is tbc but i can tell you it will be sunday afternoon us time and we'll confirm the exact time for you tomorrow so watch this space and it'll be a q and a show so think up your questions a us open themed q and a show where you can ask us within moderated reason anything you like <laughs> about the two weeks of wonder That we have ahead of us. So we'll let you know the exact time for that tomorrow. On our Media Day show. We have a mascot for today's show. That mascot is Willow. Willow is owned by Elizabeth. And we know Willow. Because Willow was our Wimbledon mascot last year. A King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. uh, And we like those. Billie Jean is 50% Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. uh, And they are just... Just delightful dogs. Uh, so, thank you, Willow. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thanks, Willow and Elizabeth. Thank you to our mascots. David's got Maisie. Amazing. I've got Xenia. and Matt has Darwin. Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our top folks and executive producers Jamie, Hannah, Andrew, and Matt. Make them quick, because David is actually going to fall asleep. (laughs) We have (laughs) shout-outs.
2: We start with Emma Bohill, who is in Ireland. Right,
1: Emma. Like Emma Navarro.
2: Yay! Well done, Catherine. Daughter of
1: another Navarro. Navarro. Previously mentioned, Yeah. yeah.
2: Emma says, we watch Catherine on TV so often... That my children call the prime button on the TV the tennis button.
1: Oh, I love that. Mm. Not for too much longer, but um, mm. enjoy that while it lasts, Emma. Uh, oh, that's lovely stuff. Thank you. Thanks for being a friend of the pod.
2: We've also got Laurie Porter, who grew up in Michigan, but has lived in Wimbledon for 30 years.
1: Hello, Laurie. Hi, Laurie. How are we spelling Laurie? L-A-U-R-I-E. Laurie, were your parents little women fans, mm. is my question. I hope so, because that would be a lovely thing to be named after. Thank you, Laurie.
0: Yeah, thanks, Laurie.
2: And finally, we have Luminita Vasilica.
1: Oh, We've I... had Luminita before, yes. unless there's two.
2: but
0: <laughs> I don't think so.
2: Luminita is in Montreal, but born in Romania. That's a hell of a name you've got,
1: Luminita. That is wonderful. I assume it means something to do with light, bringing light, Mm. which is... Lovely. Extremely lovely. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Luminita. David, thank you for
2: just about staying up. Some (laughs) effortless. I
1: think you had a micro sleep during some of the John Isner (laughs) segments, but basically a stunning effort. Thank you very much. (laughs) And we've got to be up in about eight hours, seven hours, six hours, something like that, to get out to. Flushing Meadows for the first time to grill your favourite tennis players on all things US Open. We can't wait, folks. We'll be back with another preview show tomorrow and we'll speak to you then.